You're listening to And welcome to Good Pop, a podcast about the pop culture that gets us through our days. With me to talk about all the good pop that we love are self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew. What up? Happy Animal Crossing. Happy Bunny Days. Oh, it's almost time. We're almost free of the tyranny of the zipper bunny. <laughs> and also joining me again is uh, culture writer Han Wen. Hello. Hey. Another happy bunny day to everyone. Um, <laughs> hopefully soon, soon, soon. May it end and may we all get through this oh together. God. So over it. Not talking about quarantine. Oh. I'm talking about bunny days, which needs yes. to stop now. <laughs> On this episode of Good Pop, we're going to be talking about the new Alan Yang film, Tiger Tail, now available on Netflix, starring Tai Ma and Christine Ko and loosely based on the real-life story of Alan Yang's immigrant father from Taiwan. But before we get to that, let's find out what's been getting us through this time of quarantine. Jess, what's popping? Uh, literally, what's popping is yeast. Like many people in this quarantine, I have taken to baking bread, which is very therapeutic, but also stressful at the same time. So I think it's like a wash in what it's doing to my anxiety, but I do get a lot of tasty bread. No lie. I spend a good amount of time this week staring at how to make a sourdough starter. I have looked into it too, and it just feels so wasteful at this time because to start a starter... You need to like throw away half of the starter every day for a week so that the yeast has room to grow. Um, that's just a lot of flour. And like, I think after toilet paper, flour is the second, hard, maybe toilet paper and rice. Flour is extremely hard to come by in the markets right now. But so is yeast, right? Isn't that why everyone, like, it seems like everyone I know who does bread is like switching to sourdough because they can't get um, store-bought yeast. I went and while people were hoarding toilet paper, the week before we got our official shelter in place, I bought about 20 packets of instant yeast. Ooh. So Wait, I'm good on making? the yeast. <laughs> so I have been, you know, keeping keeping up with the professional Asian as I'm a professional Asian. I have been baking a lot of stuff from Joanne Chang's cookbook, Flour. She runs the uh, Myers and Chang restaurant group in Boston. Uh, so I've made sticky buns. I've made a crusty country loaf. I've made it. She has a really great walnut fig bread that I don't have figs right now so i just put cranberries in um i've made a ciabatta that was lovely uh granted i also went a little crazy and i made four different breads in one day because i had nothing better to do and it almost led me to a off a mental cliff but i i'm fine and i had a lot of delicious bread left over i do miss bread man i wish i could have some yes yeah, so i would highly recommend um yeah her recipes are great um they're very I've, I've made several from her book flower how have they been coming out they've actually been coming out really good well yeah whoever tested this book with her or whoever like helped develop this book they're pretty solid the instructions you know the the i think the biggest hurdle of this cookbook is time she asks you her a lot of her recipes require proofing overnight in the fridge but so I think in my normal day, this is not something I'd ever have time to do. And then you have to, you know, prove it again once you shape it like for two to three hours. And like who no one in real life has time to do this. <laughs> 
but now all I got is time, baby. Now, are you are you showing off your bake uh, masterpieces on your Instagram, or is it all for yourself? I just checked; they're not on there. <laughs> I was, and then I realized it was causing me additional stress to put it on Instagram, <laughs> and that's not what this is supposed to be about. So I bake for me, um, but it is it is quite fun. Literally, the yeast is popping. It's it's fascinating to work with. What essentially is a live product, you know, every every time you make it, it's a little bit different because the the flour is different. There's different, you know, it's an agricultural product. The yeast is different. You really got to feel it and like kind of have an intuition about what's the right texture, what's the right moisture. Just it's alive and it makes me feel alive. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Han, what's popping with you? Oh boy, there's just actually so much. Um, one quick shout out for the book, um, How Much of These Hills is Gold, which actually is released on April 14th. So I'm reading it, starting to read it a little bit early. And that's by C. Pam uh, Zhang, I think. I'm not quite sure if I'm seeing the name right. But yeah, it's uh, it's set kind of like in the Old West or the 1800s. And um, there's two... I think Chinese American orphans who, you know, are burying their father and then they have sort of a, an adventure um, in kind of the old West. So it's kind of like if, you know, if warrior was too violent for you, maybe then um, <laughs> this is another way to get your like historical racism, you know, uh, but it's, 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 is but it it's, historical Han? Is it historical? <laughs> so far it's really good. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what, because here's the thing, I love period pieces and there's just haven't been enough, you know, with Asian protagonists. And so, because, you know, those are usually like the British stuff that I love, but you know, you, they're usually going to be white people. So, you know, yeah, I've, I'm really excited to like dig into this and read it. Um, oh, and one more thing. Um, coming up is season three of Killing Eve. So I don't want to create too many spoilers, but it picks up from the crazy cliffhanger from season two. And if you've seen the promotional materials, you'll see that there's both um, Sandra O oh and Villanelle. Um, so things, they're both in different places from what you would expect, perhaps. Hmm. And, um, <laughs> um, but I do want to highlight there's one portion in the premiere that I, that's why I want everyone to catch up on season two. So that way you can start on season three. And um, that's very, very Asian that I'm very excited about. And it involves ramen. So, oh, uh, yeah. See, I haven't finished season two yet, but is the season two cliffhanger, is it more wild than the season one cliffhanger? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, it's kind of apples and oranges when it comes to, Killing Eve because like mm. how many crazy things can there can there be? They're all of a certain nature, so you know it's definitely a showdown with Villanelle and Eve, and something happens, and it's dramatic. Excited, um, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to catching up on it. Yes, yeah. yeah, support support it, uh, and now that everyone's at home, maybe you can actually watch it on cable if you have cable, um, or get it. Uh, streaming before it hits hulu because i think a lot of people had wait, been waiting in the past until it got to hulu but now mm. you can watch it on demand or on cable on sundays great marvin what's popping with you i have been watching tales from the loop which Ooh, is a new sci-fi series on amazon yeah amazon prime um it's a 
like eight episode anthology series uh, based on the artwork of Simon Stalnhog. Simon is a Swedish artist who's known for um, drawing these beautiful landscapes, um, combining suburban and rural Swedish um, everyday life with families and kids with fantastical elements such as like decrepit robots and dinosaurs and like covering tractors and giant monolithic towers. Um, it's really great. Um, if you've been on the internet over the last few years, you've probably seen his artwork floating around. So Tales from the Loop on Amazon transfers the setting from Sweden to um, a town called Mercer, Ohio. And like I mentioned, is an anthology series that at first glance might remind you of things like The Twilight Zone or... Uh, Black Mirror, or even Stranger Things. But what sets it apart is the way it uses sci-fi to tell stories, which is in contrast with how the other shows um, use sci-fi. You know, in Black Mirror, um, science fiction concepts are used as a cautionary tale of like the unintended consequences of, you know, unfettered technological advances. Um, you know, Twilight Zone is all about telling fables and morality stories. But in Tales of the Loop, um, the science fiction is used to enhance stories about the human condition. Um, every Every episode is shot kind of like a um, low-key um, indie movie, similar to the ones that you'd seen like film festivals like Sundance, where they're really character studies um, exploring topics such as memory, uh, family, sense of self, even mortality. Uh, and there's an episode that I really want to call attention to, which is the third episode called Stasis, uh, which I wasn't expecting to become a really well-told um, Asian-American love story. Um, the episode stars Nicole Law and Danny Kang as two teenagers who fall in love um, and find a way to make that moment of infatuation um, last a really long time through the use of a device that stops time. And while other sci-fi shows might focus on like the consequences of messing with time, um, Tales from the Loop isn't really concerned with that. Um, instead, focusing on these two young people coming to terms that, you know, sometimes um, things just don't last. So that's Tales from the Loop. Um, it's on Amazon Prime right now. And uh, it's definitely a slower moving show than you might be used to, especially if you think about sci-fi shows on streaming platforms right now. And you can definitely see its roots in Independent Film King. Um, every episode is directed by a different director. And there really isn't like a central mystery or conspiracy that the show is trying to solve. So I get the feeling that uh, for some people, it might not be their thing, especially if um, you're not fond of, you know, slower paced, introspective character study um, types of shows and films. But for me, it's definitely something I want to take slow and, and savor. Yeah, we got time. Just, you know. <laughs> watch a little by little that's also hype about tiger king i can only watch maybe like one episode <laughs> this is like the... every three days <laughs> this is the opposite of tiger king it's like the opposite of tiger king i feel like um i i have not gotten on that bandwagon i'm going to refuse i'm going to hold out and see how long <laughs> i can go without actually having watched it and this is coming from someone this is my job i should actually be watching it so um, um i just can't you should check out Tales from the Loop. I, I think I think y'all really. That like sounds it. fun. I will yeah. definitely, and I love how it's anthology, so I can pick and choose and start with episode three if I want. Yeah. Okay, Marvin. Now it's time. Let's talk about the meat of this podcast episode, specifically <laughs> the beef noodle soup of this podcast episode, yeah. which um, is Tiger Tail by. Alan Yang. Yeah, which is out today. Um, the, by the time you listen to this podcast, it will already be out. So uh, we can now officially talk about this film that I feel like it's been in the works for like a long time now. Jess, do you know how long it's been in development? I know it's been, it's, it's set up at Macro, which is a great company. You know, they're a great production company that does a lot of 
stories by less represented communities, writers, and filmmakers. Uh, Alan, of course, is a big name. He co-created or was a co-writer on Masters of None with Aziz Ansari. He comes up from the Mike Schur universe, uh, has made co-star appearances in Parks and Rec, which is my favorite show. Uh, just so, Just a really incredible pedigree. But I think it's been, I want to say at least, yeah, a few years. And I think it went through a few... I mean, it's a film, so a few years is actually pretty standard. If not, this is actually more faster than I thought it would be, but definitely happening, I think, in the same development time as some maybe other Asian American projects. I think everybody wants to think that, you know, crazy rotations happen and everyone was like, yes, we got to do this. But, you know, movies take like years to develop. So I'm sure it was already in the works yeah. when all of that was happening. Yeah, I mean, he's he's known at Netflix because of Master of None and Netflix, you know, is very good to its own. So yeah, they've, they've, he's, if he doesn't have like a deal going on with them, like they're, they're going to immediately say yes. Um, so I think this has at least been in development for at least two years or more, more. So yeah. yeah. I mean, when was the first season of Master of None? Forever ago. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I feel like, I mean, you can definitely see like, this film is probably the parents episode in movie form, right? Because Master of None started in November 2015. Wow. Um, yeah. And then they did their two seasons. And then um, Alan Yang actually went off. He did Forever on Amazon. Mm. Oh, um, yes. That yeah. was such a lovely, weird show. And they also had a one-off episode that had Hong Cho in it. Um, and that was a fantastic that, that was, was actually best, my, favorite was my favorite episode of the series so a lot of these like i feel like a lot of his this transition into features makes a lot of sense because i feel like some of the work that i think we have responded to we being just generally an audience has been these weird like standoff essentially feature film episodes in these series um that deal with things like your parents you know generational storylines or your parents or regret i think regret is a really strong theme in some of his works especially in tiger tail i think the oh this movie just drips regret (laughs) yeah it's just so full of regret and just you know the sacrifices you make to potentially have a better life and uh you know i think which is something most of us have seen with our own parents um and is something we're going in our own you know experience in our own way um but it's yeah it was it was a, i think it was a very easy i can see now that the, it seems to be a very easy transition to doing a feature like tiger tail yeah and Not i mean i guess we easy. should yeah we should probably just set up the premise um which what what is um so the main character is basically alan yang's i think he's loosely it's loosely based on, based on uh, his, his father's story yeah yeah his childhood so you see young alan yang's dad and you know and going through the hardship there he grows up and he eventually moves to america but like his reasons for doing it and then of course what plays out afterwards kind of really like dig into the themes that i think a lot of us understand with as far as sacrifice uh, filial piety you know and um and just also not generationally not speaking to each other and understanding where they come from yeah Um, i feel like 
what this movie made me want to do is like I should really call my parents because my parents are often like Taiwan living their best life um, in you know relative ease because coronavirus isn't as bad out there right now um, but definitely made me like hmm I should talk to my parents a little more than I have been we should also talk about who plays adult um, <laughs> well his his character's name, his is, name Grover. is Grover yes which, Which I don't know if it's actually mentioned. Said? I don't think they ever in mentioned English yeah. at least. I don't <laughs> think he's ever talked of, used his English name, which is also, I think, also very true to form. Because if it's the if it's about Alan's dad through that lens of if it's a it's a parent's story through the lens of their child um, for part of the movie, I think when we get the flashback scenes, it's it's such a weird, it's such a very effective comparison because those scenes are so full of life and so sexy and so colorful and there's like this <laughs> glow that um they shoot it with it's 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 it's, it's i call it like the instagram filter you know where it's just like glowy and it feels warm <laughs> and beautiful and almost nostalgic and then we get these kind of very cold severe scenes in the future with him and his daughter i think it's just so true because I have had literal conversations with my parents. I've I've always known their names, but I was filling out some a form for my grandma, like trying to get her a senior bus pass. I was like, wait, what's grandma's name? <laughs> like, she's just grandma. Or like, what's grandpa's name? You know, anytime you have to fill out a form and kind of have to see them as people instead of like their relationship to you, it's always very jarring. Yeah. And uh, I think Hanul's leading to the, the main character, the dad character is played by professional Asian dad, Tai Ma, who... Uh, I think he's never dadded as hard as he's been dadding this year alone um, in, in in cinema for <laughs> these past few years, to be honest. Oh, he's great. And I mean, he's always great as a dad. He was he is the dad in the live action Mulan. He is he was actually he's played Sandra's o, Sandra O's dad in Mina Shum's Meditation Park. He was he the dad was, in The Farewell. He's a dad in The Farewell. He's everybody's Asian dad. He was the dad at is, Rush Hour. Yeah, Ambassador Han. Um, but it's great because now he's the dad, but he's also the main character. Yeah. But uh, before we talk yeah. more about Ty, because I know we have lots to say about everyone's favorite dad, uh, Tai Ma, is um, I think what this movie really does great is remind you that like once upon a time, your parents are probably way cooler than you are right now. Oh, my God. You know? Right. They're like people who like smoked and drank and probably fuck. I mean, obviously they fucked because you're here. <laughs> Um and just ding dong ditching and having the time of their lives. Yeah, like, my mom smoked. She went to a Beatles concert. Like, uh, what? yeah. Uh, oh my god, your mom is so cool in Vietnam yeah. or in the states? States. She she went to school here. She had a scholarship, so she went from Vietnam to Texas and had a uh, went to college there. And during one of the spring breaks, instead of going home, she just went to california instead and <laughs> attended a beatles concert so yeah already cooler than i am ever that i will ever be i've seen pictures of like my mom and dad in like the 70s when they were dating and my dad had style and my mom mm -hmm. had even more style right oh my god uh yeah my parents anniversary their 35th year anniversary is actually today as we're recording this four nine and as a present to them and since i have time and i brought like a lot of my work equipment home i i decided i was going to digitize all their old albums so they could Aww. have it you know you know they don't have to worry <laughs> about losing it and like store it on the cloud for them somewhere and i'm going through these photos they when they first came to the states in the 80s they had been married for about a year 
and holy crap, my mom was a total babe. I mean, she still <laughs> is, but she was wearing these like fly ass jumpsuits, so much style. My dad was had a six pack. It's it's very weird <laughs> when you when you see your dad is like cut and yeah. he has all these group photos. My dad with his was friends, a marine like, back in China. Oh my god! It, yeah, yeah, in Taiwan, right? <laughs> yeah. So he was dead. Yeah, and then you look at his day. like friends. <laughs> There was like a group photo with him, my dad in China before he left. I guess him and his boys went on like one final trip before he moved to the States. There's this group picture. It's super cute. They're all in their early 20s. And I'm looking. I was like, I get it, mom. Dad was the hottest. (laughs) I get why you picked him. Good job. Good job. I feel like great set of great hair. Great hair. (laughs) Like Bruce Lee would be jealous of the the dome helmet (laughs) style. If I remember correctly, I think my dad was the one that chased my mom. And there's a scene in Tiger Tail that really, really spoke to me um, when young Grover and um, and Ah Young, right, or Young Lee, the his like his like childhood sweetheart, are sitting by like a lake, and she starts singing the oldest wedding song. And I've heard my dad sing that song, and I'm pretty sure my dad sang that song to my mom to like woo her. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that didn't happen with my parents. I was <laughs> but, but yeah, but I think it is a good point where there's this like seeing them as people, but not just people, but like lusty, like hot, you know, and kind of into pop culture because that really was the hot thing, you know, in this movie. They're both, I guess, teenagers are in their early 20s when the scene is happening. And for them to be singing that, like they also know other English and it's kind of interesting to see that sort of cultural thing come across. But yeah, I, I think when I think about, let's say with my mom, like the Beatles made it over, but also like she watched old movies. And so it was Hollywood definitely had a huge impact. Um, and it's kind of nice to see, you know, Alan Yang kind of include those details in it because that, that kind of just showed how cool his dad was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh and and oh jess you made mention of this but like how gorgeous this movie is like i i do wish that people saw it in theaters because the rice field at the beginning is so beautiful and i think even alan yang said that they were so lucky to have found it um and it ended up being like their poster um but then also there are scenes where like the colors are sort of like just one like muted color or something like that. And I do have to give a shout out because I think the DP uh, was on True Detective. So that kind of gives you an idea of like that saturation of the colors where there are moments where I'm just like, I just need stills of all of this. (laughs) Like the movie itself was so moving. And yet visually also, I just, I, yeah, I didn't even need context sometimes. I'm a sucker for that, that saturated, warm, sepia-esque tone if you shoot a film in that, I will fall in love. Um, I think there was, there's been a trend to use that style to, uh, I, especially I think when you're setting films in the sixties, like, like a period piece. So I remember when I watched theory of everything, theory of everything is also shot in like the same kind of tone, warm. I call it, I call it the Instagram filter. Cause it looks like everything like <laughs> it looks, they all look like really great Instagram shots. Um, and it's just, oh, it's so beautiful. And like the people are gorgeous. The clothes are gorgeous. Um, the scenery and just 
just the those the wide fields and then going into even they even make like a poor like his he's he's very poor and he lives in this like ramshackle house with his mother in like a one bedroom house and even that seemed like romantic and beautiful in some <laughs> weird way right um, and I just think this like nostalgia um, and I think it's 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 actually very it's probably very deliberate because even though, you know, he's poor and this is supposed to be him at a low point in his life, right? He like doesn't have anything. He doesn't have opportunity. Um, but yet it just feels so romantic and beautiful as opposed to when he has made it in America several decades later, you know, he's obviously found financial success. His kids are fine. They went to college. Um, his daughter has become a very successful professional white collar worker and everything is just so severe and cold and distant. Um, so just smashing those two together, I think just was very effective. Yeah. His daughter played by Christine Coe, um, is a, is a strong secondary character in, in the story. And they, they have a lot of like shots where they kind of mirror each other as they go about their lonesome days. Um, uh, but I really want to ask you two as, as daughters, um, how did the, the father daughter story hit you? Because like, obviously I'm a son, so I don't have that relationship with my father. Um, and I also want to talk about relationships with parents because I feel like even though I could relate to a lot of things that were happening to this movie, my relationship with my parents is way different than what this film portrays. But um, yeah, I want to get your, your thoughts on how they portray this relationship between Taima and Christine Coe's characters. Yeah, there are definitely some parts I really related to uh, more in the youth. There's that scene where she like screws oh, up the her recital, piano recital <laughs> and is crying in the car, um, like devastated. And instead of consoling her or telling her it's going to be okay, he's just like, you should have practiced more. Like, what's wrong with you? You you have no one to blame but yourself. Uh, I wouldn't say that's specific to my father. I think uh, my mother might be the more severe one. Uh, they have both... I, I will say both my parents are very supportive and much warmer than maybe Grover is in this film to his <laughs> daughter. My dad is actually really weird. My dad is actually very affectionate and extremely um it's basically it's like if the young Grover didn't have to make these hard choices and kind of lucked out with a good marriage that just so happened to bring him to the states because my mother actually had immigrated to the states came back to marry my father and then brought him back with her because her family had already been moving to the States um, in several like phases over the last few decades. So he didn't really have to make a hard decision. He kind of looked at, he's like, I got a hot girlfriend and she's bringing <laughs> me to America. What up? Um, so it's almost like a parallel. Like he, he it, like what happened, what would have happened if I think me and my father, what would happen if Grover got to keep the, that like fun spirit that, uh, of his youth, but there, I think every Asian kid, regardless of your relationship, there that that scene with the the piano recital. I remember I watched it. I texted my friend. I was like, "Wow, I'm getting PTSD flashbacks right now." Because I also played piano and was not <laughs> very good at it. Um, did not practice very hard at it, and eventually did give it up because I think there's a sense of not being good is not fun. Like hmm. it's a hobby, but if you're not good at it, why pursue it? And I think that's maybe a a, a theme of being raised a second generation Asian American that um, maybe I'm not the only one who has experienced that. Uh, so my relationship was much different with my dad. And I think that's just in general with a lot of parents. He wasn't very hands on at all, like didn't really raise us. He was there. Um 
but uh like i i do recall but i do have to say stuff like the scene about the piano recital about like suck it up and whatever both of my parents were very much didn't have the vocabulary to deal with our pain as kids. Like if they weren't giving us the pain, like if they were spanking us, fine, whatever. But if we had other existential crises and stuff like that, they didn't know what to say to us because that's not something they had to, you know, encounter or deal with. Like you just deal with it. Right. Um, So there is no other parenting other than like we fed you and we provided you with all the tools so what are you you know complaining <laughs> yeah, about? yeah it's like i i had it worse and i made it out okay you have everything why are you still complaining i think there's a sense of that whether it's explicitly said or not that i think is carried out really well into this theme because angela the his daughter in the film she seems to have been set up with everything to succeed. And I think she's asking herself why she's not happy. And I think mm-hmm. Grover also is, cannot understand why she isn't happy and yeah. why is happiness is happiness even a factor in this? Like he wasn't happy and he made the choice to sacrifice his happiness to give her a better life, to give his family, both his mother back in Taiwan and his future children, a better life. But then the great tragedy is that he gives all this up and he can't he can't connect with his daughter and he's not there for his mother who has since passed away. So you have to think about, you know, I think it's going back to this theme of sacrifice and regret. Like, was it was it worth it? I think that's a question. A lot of these questions, a lot of these films about intergenerational, the journey, the immigration story is at the end of the day, was it worth it? Yeah. yeah. And and you know something I also noticed about this film because especially the way things are shot there's a scene that you see both Angela as a grown woman and Grover um sitting side by side which I thought was an interesting choice um drinking tea at a table and they're moving and you know exactly the same way they're having the same mannerisms and of course this is a uh, explaining that they're also very similar in let's say temperament and how they deal with issues and so for me when it comes to I think we all say this like I'm becoming my parents or something (laughs) like that and for my dad and me it was interesting because like I said he wasn't super hands-on and so for me a lot of this came later was me realizing the things that we had in common like I always knew we were both really big bookworms and so we did when he was still alive, we would go to like our library would have like a sale every year and get rid of old books. And so that was our big father daughter bonding thing. But um, much later in life, uh, after he passed, um, did I realize that we also had this sort of strong sense of social justice, which I didn't have when I was younger because, you know, I was pretty privileged, I think. Like I I led a little la-di-da life, but it wasn't until things got harder that I do, you know, that I became a bit more aware of, let's say, the Asian American struggle and just, you know, the issues we are facing. And these were all things that I'm like, oh, my dad always talked about that all the time. Like I remember going to, uh, he was dropping me off at school in middle school and he was looking at the marquee and he was just like, why do they have that congratulations to the basketball team when you won the spelling bee, you know? And, and, and it was, and it was kind of true because my brother who was uh, two years ahead of me, when he went to the spelling bee, well, he made national. So I think he might've gotten some sort of 
you know, recognition there. But I was like, and so I kind of just told my dad, I'm like, well, I only made regional or something. Like that. <laughs> but but it was, yeah, it was, it was those types of things where I'm like, if he were alive today, we would have so much to talk about because, and so I realized that, yeah, the, the concepts of justice and just those intellectual pursuits were things that I shared with him, but I just was too young at the time. And now um, I definitely share so much of that with him. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's, this film was really cool in that way to show like how Angela has no clue and they're both dealing with the same issues as they don't know how to talk to each other. <laughs> Speaking of books, um, Angela's bookshelf is pretty amazing. The movie features one of like the oh, biggest her, bookshelves like, study? I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. That's like uh, interior design porn right there. Props to the set designer. Uh, Every millennial, like that's the millennial dream, right? Like you own your own home and it's this beautiful place. It's very hige with a lot of books. Like I wouldn't mind being Angela. Yeah. You're married to Hayden Cito. I mean, you fucked that up, but still you were married to him at one point. I kind of wish we got more of him. I, I, I heard that he was in the film, but I didn't realize we were going to get so little of Hayden Cito. Well, they I cut know. out John Cho. So, oh, no. yeah, they, they definitely cut out a lot of Hayden to the point where I'm like, wait, was that him? <laughs> yeah, I like mean, a- I would take like the six hour director cut. I'm ready for that. Um, I think that'd be, you know, make this a mini series, anthology series. I think we could use it. Uh, we got nothing but time to watch stuff now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting that with the removal of, you know, Hayden and John Cho, uh, whatever roles they were originally in, it's really become a movie about this one man and his relationship with all the women in his life, mm-hmm. which is yeah. interesting. Um, I don't think he has a scene with another man at all. Uh, but I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. Six different women. So it's his mother, his first love. Both present, you know, as a child, he yeah. had his friend. In yeah, that bar but scene, you know what? But, they but he was about, talking about yeah. women, so women. it's like the opposite, reverse of, Bechdel. <laughs> yeah, exactly, reverse Bechdel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's his. Okay, so it's his mom. Then his first love, his grandma, first both love. as a yeah, his grandma, yeah. grandma. Then okay, grandma. Mother, first love as a child, first love when they're young adults. We get future first when they're both older, played phenomenally by Joan Chen. Um, it should be illegal to <laughs> look that good uh, at that age, slash, steal the scene, steal the movie. My God, Joan I, Chen. I want Joan Chen to play everyone's mom. They should just be everyone's mom and dad for the foreseeable future. Jo- Joan Chen could. Stop. Joan Chen can play my sister. She could play my mother. She could play my grandmother. She could she could step on my face and I would be okay with it. Like honestly, Joan Chen could spit on me and I'm fine with it. Um just give me more Joan Chen, you know? I don't think we see enough of her. She is she kills she's in one scene and absolutely kills it. Um as she always does because she's Joan Chen. Um and then I we think have I related Dintin. more to her character than than Ty's character because Joe, that's my mom like she's out traveling with my mm-hmm. dad like just living life and like just being upbeat and happy do you think her character sits around thinking about him or you think she's like <laughs> living her best life in maryland um or wherever she her and her husband have moved to just being like oh yeah i did that guy once yeah, I had some wild times. I'm good now. Oh, she definitely was surprised when he like Facebook stalked her and like and like messaged her out of the blue. You know, I think she, him messaging her brought up memories. 
but I don't think she like dwells on it like he does. How do we feel about the Facebook messaging? Accurate or not? It would have been WeChat instead, or what do the Taiwanese? It would have been WeChat or Line. Use? I think Taiwanese people use Line more than WeChat. I feel like. I was more surprised that they were texting English, to be honest. I, I know functionally why why they did it so that, you know, people can understand what they're saying. But it was like, I don't yeah, buy I mean, it. I mean, part of the sort of the, I guess, the assimilation also, like, you know, he does speak English. So it's not like yeah. totally out, you know, and, and then he she's in America. That's the other thing is, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah, I had to give him a pass, too. But <laughs> what I do have, have to say, though. Um, and I think we mentioned this like offline was the food. Yes. I love all there could be. I would like to see the director's cut of all the food that we didn't see. <laughs> so Hayden, John Cho and food <laughs> and um, the food. Yes. Yeah. Because like there's so many scenes where uh, Tima's character is just cooking for himself. And yeah, it looks kind of like a lonely existence, but I always just wanted the camera to zoom in and be like, okay, so what is he chopping up? What's he throwing in the pot? Uh, it looked great. Yeah, I mean, it starts with that first scene when the, the KMT soldiers come to like do like a census check or whatever, like a like a forced census check on the, the, the rural house that his <laughs> grandmother lives in. And he grabs a, uh, a wax apple, which is something that like you only get in like, I don't even know if you get it outside of Taiwan. I don't know if you've had that before. Like the, I don't know what they're I called. I didn't recognize it. Yeah, but it's like I don't, a, I don't know what it is. It's like a crispier. Yeah, this is your area of expertise, Marvin. <laughs> I think the English name is um is wax apple in in Chinese is like lianwu or something like that. Uh, but it's like it's that's my childhood. My grandma would just chop that up and like feed it to me. Um, you know, because like feeding people oh my fruit God, is can how, we also talk how about, parents like show love, right? Oh, yeah. That's how Asian parents show love. And can we talk about how that first scene is like entirely in Taiwanese and yeah. what a baller move that is? <laughs> it's like not even Mandarin. It's like a it's 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 I thought that was pretty ballsy. And yeah. I appreciated that. <laughs> It's not like a language that like, okay, I'm going to get a ton of shit for this, but like, it doesn't sound pretty. A lot of like <laughs> languages funny. in the Chinese family, like they don't sound pretty to like outside ears, you. you know? Uh, I mean, my family speaks Shanghainese. That is not a pretty language. No, so. it's not. Um, it's not. It's. It did. Um, The one thing that did bring me out a little bit is like Grover, um, his character, his like his childhood persona, his young adult, his young man persona, very Taiwanese. But then at some point he becomes Tai Ma with like an obvious Hong Kong Cantonese Mandarin accent. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I understand that I'm in the minority who notices these things, but like it did kind of bring me out of it a little bit. I mean, not enough because is- Tai Ma is great, but I was like, hmm, that is interesting. That is a concern when we talk about casting. And I understand that a lot because you know, you either cast specifically for the acts that you want or you get the name. Um, and so you may have to, yeah, fudge it a little bit. And I didn't notice because I don't speak any of those languages. <laughs> so it was great. But at the same time, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not outside the realm of possibility, though, because actually my parents, when they immigrated here, they were speaking mostly Shanghainese. Because my grandparents, um, 
some of my family members don't speak Mandarin at all. And then they actually learned a lot of their Mandarin or they started picking up um, Taiwanese accented Mandarin because mm -hmm. they were watching so many soap operas from Taiwan. So growing up, my sister actually started picking up the Taiwanese accent, which she <laughs> liked more because it was cuter. It is a like it, Taiwanese it, Mandarin. Is, it's quite cute, Marvin. Taiwanese like, gotta, Mandarin. Agree. We, are, we are pretty much like the California accent of Mandarin Chinese. Yeah. So yeah, she wanted like a California <laughs> accent instead of like a mainland Chinese accent with a hard <laughs> R at the end. So she like kind of cultivated that. And I actually picked up a lot of Chinese listening to Mandarin um, Chinese pop, but most of it was coming out of Taiwan um, when I was listening to it. So I was like, yeah, I think I think it's not without the realm of possibility. <laughs> it also to, depends on like, his accent yeah. could have shifted. Maybe he was in a very predominantly Cantonese immigrant neighborhood York. when he moved over. Yeah, he was in New York, which like that's much more like yeah. southern. <laughs> like yeah, so like it's been a few decades. It might have it might have shifted, yeah. and it depends on how susceptible you are because like. I'm one of those horrible people. Like I go to London and all of a sudden I start using words like Lou. And, do you pull you know, a Madonna, Han? I, I try you start not using to the this. accented A's and the, the long I try vowels. not to do it, but I do notice my phrasing is different. Like my grammar and, and stuff like that. Like, uh, so yes, I, I, I understand. And that's just on a trip. So considering if you actually <laughs> live there, you could probably pick stuff up. And uh, yeah, I picked up phrases yeah. from your friends. You know, you do that too. <laughs> we can't all end up in like Arcadia, Marvin, <laughs> hey. which is a very high uh, Taiwanese We are American both very population. close to Arcadia, to be honest. I, I'd wager your hood is way more Taiwanese than my hood. It was, it's a bit, I think it started off that way. But you know, once you, you make the money, then you move east. You go down the 10 to yeah, the bigger and better houses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the food, um, when he was making his own food during like the... Um, the the modern scenes did it look like he was cooking chinese food though i really couldn't tell that's the thing it's like i just know he was chopping a lot of stuff i assumed vegetables yeah um and then throwing it in a pot so i just but whenever he was eating it well this is also a bad tell because i eat everything with chopsticks but you know <laughs> he would eat it with chopsticks so i just assumed it's true but, uh, that's true but it was one bowl usually so that's the other reason why i assumed it was mm. um but yeah, I couldn't really quite tell. But yeah, yeah, I just love all the food in all the movies and they should have more of it. Yeah. I also like that he was gardening and I know that's something that a lot of older people do, but <laughs> particularly my mom and aunt are so plant crazy. And it's funny because it like definitely like skip my generation. So like they can literally just walk around the garden and have conversations about plants. Um, and Right now, the way my mom and I communicate is we text each other pictures of like our gardens mm -hmm. because I, I'm fortunate to have a garden. And I'm like, I didn't plant any of these things. This is my landlord. But G Give it a few years. I think it's something you grow <laughs> into because uh, my parents are both city folks. They grew up in like middle, like city center, Shanghai, communism, poor, like no garden in sight. And like my mom literally like a year ago is like, I want a garden. I'm like, why you have never experienced you you couldn't even keep like the basil plant alive what what are we doing and she but of course she dragged my dad to home depot bought all these flowers they literally like die within a few weeks and they just have to go buy new flowers but she's very committed to trying <laughs> to make this work so i think it's like a phase well in your no life my mom, when you start yeah. 
No, my mom, my whole life, like she would stop the car by the side of the road and pull out her pruning shears and go and get a a clipping. And this is both my aunt and my mom. So this has happened many times to me growing up. And my same with my cousin, because we would commiserate over this. So yeah, they're crazy about plants and always have been. I'm more about crazy about animals. So that's why I'm wondering when that, like I do, I did start, you know, uh, planting my own hot peppers. And um, I'm definitely right now during quarantine, I'm like, I would love, I think I need to start getting my own um, herbs because I don't want to have to go to the store every single time. And also I like the idea of having my own herbs. And then um, I want to do the thing where once I'm done with my uh, green onions, I want to start regrowing them in the, in the, Oh yeah. That's real hot right now. Quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's like a new trend. Everyone's rediscovering farming. (laughs) Yeah. Farming and chickens. My friend who, you know, runs baking with chickens. Yeah. People are hitting her up. So yeah, everyone's doing it. Anyway, I'm we getting have to prepare the for the collapse of society, you know? <laughs> I know. I've, I've gardened a lot in Animal Crossing. Does that count? I'm crossing <laughs> yes, my it, flowers? Well, look, you've also posted the Animal Crossing in real life, IRL, I saw. And so that I think this my, is where it starts. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my new favorite hashtag. So I basically, on my daily walks in my compound, like I, I live in a complex, uh, there's like a lot of people have flowers outside. So anything that reminds me of an item in... Animal Crossing, I post it with the hashtag A-C-N-H-I-R-L, which stands for Animal Crossing New Horizons in Real Life. Uh, it's very niche, very niche de- demographic, um, but it's it's great. I, I have some stuff in my house that I could also post. Like we have the Imperial tea set for real. Uh, so, yeah. Giving the people what they want, you know? Yeah. So what do y'all think about the arranged marriage that's portrayed in this film. I would like to find out about your family's arranged marriages um, as far as my family goes. Uh, so in the movie, basically Grover, when he's younger, gets uh, reached out to by his boss who has a daughter and he wants to set up his daughter in America, but you know he needs to get a, like, a good guy for his daughter. And so that's where Grover comes in. Whereas with my family... I know of for certain, let's see, I think my mother was talking about her own grandmother and her own grandmother didn't realize she was being set up in an arranged marriage. They use the phrasing, you go and you take care of this guy's linens. And so you're going to live there. (laughs) And so, so she goes there and lives there and, and like at night, the guy comes to her room and she's like, what do you want? Like, what the f- I oh, took no, care that's... of your linens. I know. I was horrified. This is traumatic when I heard <laughs> this. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm here. So she didn't, she couldn't say no. And then when it came to my actual grandmother, um, so I think the deal is with my grandmother on my mother's side, um, she actually was supposed to, I think, be one of the concubines second third whatever down the line wives of some guy Mm. uh didn't happen so she ended up being um arranged with uh my grandfather and i think what i from what i heard that he went and sneaked and looked at her while she was at temple and then realized that she was pretty and Mm. then so he was like okay cool We'll do it. But Damn. that's these are the stories I heard from my mom. Who knows? Grain of salt for all of this. <laughs> but wow. yeah, and I think that's the most recent was just my, my grandmother. But nothing more recent than that. Yeah. I'm sure there was in my family, but like 
I know in my parents' case, uh, my dad definitely pursued my mom. Um, um, yeah, to my knowledge, I don't know of any arranged marriages, but with the caveat or disclaimer that my family was pretty poor um, in recent generations, I think arranged marriages are more common when one person or like the families have, you know, stakes like economic stakes and you're trying to combine economic stakes. But, you know, my by the time, at least my, by the time my grandparents were in play um my mom's side was wealthy had lost their fortune during the communist revolution so like no one cared and uh my dad's side were basically just like villagers so no one cared there was nothing to fight or like protect um but i do think it's more a marriage of convenience you're like hey you're like love slash convenience right like hey you're in my village you're like my age i'm into it Let's not think too hard about it. We're going to get married. And regardless if we like each other or not, we're going to make it work and stay married. Um, Both my grandparents are still married. I do think they were a lot. You know, I do think it was at least my one, at least one of my sets. I I was was a love match. Uh, My grandpa was the cook in their family's restaurant. And that's how they met. Uh, My parents met in college and my dad also pursued her my mom had to choose between my dad or his roommate whoa (laughs) she chose my dad uh so i'm here uh yeah so i i I think i think it's it's more like this like maybe arranged is too severe a word but very much like hey it makes sense let's just do it am i settling maybe but that's not how we're the context of how marriages work is that's not how we see it yeah there's a definitely yeah Yeah. a practical aspect to it I think my mom was 28 when she got married so she was on the shelf you know like at at that age you know people were like your eggs are drying up so um so yeah so she and my dad they I think they both were they took a test and there were only a certain number of people who could make it to be whatever this role is in the like embassy a Vietnam Vietnamese embassy in Japan. And so they both made it in some level. And so I think that was my big, I, from what I heard, like my dad's biggest thing was he wanted someone smart. And so <laughs> she, she, I guess, passed that test. Um, and so he you was, you know, doing, there are worse things to go by. So props to your dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it worked, you know, and, uh, and I think, you know, she, she was like, well, he had a lot of things to say. Cause you know, she wanted someone who would be entertaining conversationally. So that worked out and definitely practical aspects there. Yeah. And I feel like that was something that was like seriously lacking in the arranged marriage of um, Grover and, um, and Zinzin um, from the movie. Right. What were your thoughts about like that really, really awkward first date, like the arranged first date? I felt for her, you know, <laughs> because the thing is he clearly is in love with his first love and she's so different from, um, from this girl that he didn't even like his small talk was really painful, but he didn't get to, he didn't know how to draw her out because he never had to do that with his actual love. She's so outgoing and just like, they also had a childhood together that he never had to try. And so they, these people totally could have hit it off, not, you know, as much perhaps. And that's what I hear about, you know, marriages of convenience and arranged marriages that like, you know, they did have a lot of things in common. They just didn't try. And he worked so hard when he came to America that there was just really no moment 
that they could get to know each other as people. And so yeah. I felt really bad for both of them. Yeah, but I mean, respect to her for, you know, she does something about her loneliness and starts going out and really starts trying to make a life for herself and she comes at odds with Grover because of that because he kind of expects her to be at home, you know, to have kids and... yeah. I, I do think that's a really interesting take because she's she's not this like I think at first of the initial impression that she's like this very quiet meek individual but she isn't she's striking out on her own she stands up to him she makes her own friends and you know I mean at the end I think let's be real like when they've in the when we see them in the future when they're older and they've had kids she's definitely won the divorce <laughs> well, she, she asked herself for the divorce Saito. in the first place. James Saito, who's lovely, you know, she's living life. She has seems to have a really, she's very honest about her relationship. I think she, my sense is that she has a good relationship with her kids and is like able to speak up for herself. She I mean, she calls out, she's like, what do you mean I've been doing nothing? Like I fucking was raising your kids. Like shut the fuck up and I'm leaving you. Like that is ballsy. So I respect that kind of portrayal. Like she's just as fiery as... Um, you know, Joan Chen's character just in a different way. And I think that image or that stereotype of Asian women being submissive or weak, like that's not, that's not, have you met one weak Asian woman, Marvin? <laughs> I have not. No. So. <laughs> and <Right? laughs> much like, much like the character of Grover, you know, surrounded by strong Asian women where he actually becomes kind of like the least interesting person in that whole entire group because he's such a curmudgeon right yeah his fire kind of goes out because you think about like this hot guy who's like dining and dashing you know <laughs> and it's that's one of like the great moments in the movie because he's not some like shrinking violet either but then he becomes this sort of guy who's kind of let you know disappointment and life beat him down because he's fulfilled what he thinks is his duty but he hasn't found happiness for himself and he doesn't know how to give it to other people because he feels like he did whatever he was supposed to do so yeah yeah he's <laughs> he, he's now just kind of like an empty slate so when he actually perks up again it's kind of thrilling and yet also sad to see you know because it's happening in his what sixth decade of life seventh like i don't know how old he is yeah, yeah. i found myself really missing because like you know ty is able to play like mischievous dad really well and i was hoping yeah. to see a lot of that you like, miss mischievous that, but... dad ty instead yeah. but um because we got a lot of like emotionally distant dad ty yeah <laughs> repressed <laughs> ty <laughs> repressed ty yeah. um yeah but i don't know marvin is this a cautionary tale for you are you gonna <laughs> are you going down the path of grover um being emotion no you're fine but <laughs> i mean i, I, yeah, I think i'm just, I'm just um, wondering as as like children of immigrants, I think, and I've had this conversation with other people on other podcasts too, about like that moment where you realize your parents are actual people with like who had actual dreams and did stuff that are like probably much wilder than you've ever done yourself, you know? And Oh, so wild. Like, I mean, yeah. they picked <laughs> up and moved in there. My parents were in their early 20s and they picked up and moved. Could you imagine doing that now? Like, yeah. hey, I'm going to pick up my life. And this is an era where communication wasn't as immediate as what we have now that travel wasn't that easy so and you didn't know what's going to happen so moving away potentially meant being away from your family if not forever for the for a very long time and your friends and what you know like could you imagine like hey marvin if i told you hey we're gonna pick pick up your entire life and i'm gonna make you move to a country that you don't speak the language 
you don't know anyone there and I'm going to set you up with like bare minimum in a shitty apartment, go make a life. Like that's kind of insane, right? But also in this day and age, no, I might consider it. It, it you know, like maybe it is. Well, you got checked, a one way ticket. You, know? you you have con- you got your Canadian citizenship to fall back on. I'm not so lucky. So. <laughs> we also have technology. We're doing this podcast in three different houses. It's true. And so, like, you can miss someone, but you can talk to them also instantly. Mm. Um, whereas back then, you might have a letter weeks you know, in the making and then already something could have changed. Someone could have died by the yeah. time you receive a letter. Yeah. So, and, and there's no, and there's no guarantee of even a photograph or anything. Mm-hmm. It's, Actually, it's, when my parents yeah. were first dating uh, before they got married and my mom had moved to the States, my dad literally was only writing her. They could only communicate through letters. And China and U.S. had really closed borders at that time. Like it wasn't so easy. So she actually would have to send it through Hong Kong first. And then from Hong Kong, it could get into China. Wow. So it was like even longer. <laughs> and I still have those letters today. It's like a whole box that he wrote her. They were separated for like about a year before she went back to marry him and brought him back. Are are they sweet or are they horny? You know, I'm not going to lie. It's in (laughs) Chinese and I do not want to know. (laughs) Are they airmail? It's airmail in that white envelope with a black and red border. You know, the blue and red border Mm -hmm. around the edge. Just imagine Um, your dad writes like Mr. Darcy does, right? (laughs) I'm totally, I totally understand, totally understand my parents are people, fully formed, whole ass people, still are. Uh, our relationship is really good now because I think it's also a two-way street and that you have to let them know who you are as a person. Yeah. Like as an adult, like who you are. And not, I understand not all parents are like necessarily open to that. Like they don't want to know what, like they're, like they have a hard time accepting their children as people with their own <laughs> wants and needs and maybe make some dumb mistakes. Yeah. But I do not need to know how horny my parents were (laughs) when they were dating. Like, that's just, I don't need to know that. (laughs) I mean, I feel like if anything this movie does for, like, for us as Asian Americans and children of immigrants is open that, like, dialogue or open that possibility. Like, maybe we should, you know, talk to our parents a little bit about what things were like when they were younger, get their stories, you know, before it's too late, you know. And I think that's that's the ultimate thing that I I took away from Tiger Tail. Absolutely. I've been thinking about that because I was like, I am talking to my mom more Uh, She's in Texas. And my family is actually very, very, very bad about phone communication. So I've been calling her at least once a week, which for some people is like not even frequent enough. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, should I just start a project where I'm recording her life and just that'll be another conversation? Whatever I do with it, it doesn't matter. You know, but like we've tried the thing about like recipes and we just cannot learn from each other. Like, like we just fight and like I'm like you left this out, whatever. But honestly, just talking to her about like various things, it's more of uh, just trying not to have her be self-conscious because when she thinks she's on is when she kind of like is very careful about what she says. But when we're just having a conversation, like all the stuff comes out. So I would like to do that with my aunt because they're like very close sisters. And I'm just thinking them growing up in central Vietnam, you know, um, they had a farm, you know, uh, they each had their own chicken at one point and each of their mm-hmm. chickens eventually got eaten, you know, that type of stuff, you know, with those details, I was like, oh, I love these stories. But when I ask her and prompt her, then she's like, I don't know, you know, it's just <laughs> like school was fine. <laughs> so there are no details coming. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely want to do that. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it, maybe as a project 
maybe I can, you know, because the thing is my mom also lives alone right now. And so with quarantine, she needs some stuff to do. So maybe (laughs) I can give her a project. Yeah. Well, Tiger Tail is available now on Netflix. Um, you can watch it now. Watch it with your parents, um, and maybe start a conversation. Make it into like a like a oh my a god, that type sounds. <laughs> I'm literally getting anxiety hives with this, but yeah, maybe maybe that's a good idea. I think especially in this time, especially if you're you've chosen to quarantine with your family, if you're fortunate enough to do so, I think now's the time more than if it's going to happen it's going to ha- like it would be now right yeah. um i've i've spent more uninterrupted time with my parents cuz even if you live with them you know everyone's working everyone has their own stuff going on i think parents immigrant parents don't like to sit around and do nothing so it's really hard <laughs> to catch them standing still so now is a very maybe yeah. this is one silver lining into this weird shelter at place safer at home order where it's now more, more now more than any time is when they were they might open up. Yeah, like enjoy saying. the film, enjoy the vibes, enjoy the, vibes. Enjoy enjoy the, the hot tie. Asian guys in this movie. Oh my god, like young <laughs> Asian gr- love. Yeah, Asian love. That yeah. everyone is gorgeous in this movie, uh, past, present, and future. Again, Joan Chan spit on my face. <laughs> Um, but just enjoy enjoy Asian people like being hot, falling in love, having regrets, you know, being human. Yeah. So, Jess, if people want to follow you on, on social media, where can they go? You can follow me at Jess Ju Tweets. And Han? I'm at Hanonymous, H-A-N-H-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S. And you can follow me at Marvin Yue. That's M-A-R-V-I-N-Y-U-E-H. And you can follow the podcast at Good Pop Club on Twitter. And if you enjoyed our discussion of Tiger Tail, please let us know. The Good Pop Culture Club is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Um, you can check out the collective and the other great Potluck pods by checking out their website at podcastpotluck.com. And yeah. See you next time. Later. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, We've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. I started Animal Crossing, guys. I got it. I, right. I broke down. So should we just shift this it. over to an Animal Crossing podcast now, Marvin? <laughs> I just I just needed people to know that um, your influence has, has affected me. And um, I am now on my second house upgrade. Um, I'm about to get my town hall. And um, yeah, it's it's been a good time. Marvin has already surpassed me because I've been too busy with work. <laughs> I'm not, this is not shade. It's more of envy. <laughs> the thing with games like this, like games like this, games like Stardew, Harvest Moon, um, is that like, it's real easy for me to fall into a rhythm and get real productive. Like, you know, sometimes you got to chop all the wood from all the trees. With a stone axe, because I don't like, I, I don't believe in deforestation. I want to preserve the no, trees. No, no, you don't want to, you don't want to, 
you don't want to get rid of your renewable resources when you go colonize the mystery <laughs> island. That's when you don't have time and you just chop down the trees. But when it's your own island, you got to use a flimsy axe. I was mm-hmm. fully ready to just like spend a lot of time with a tent, <laughs> kind of living on the land, you know, not buying into the you know, consumerist biddings of um, Mr. Tom Nook. But then I realized I need a place to put all my stuff. And so that's been necessitating my um my upgrading for my house because I need more room for all my stuff. Because much like, you know, when you first move out of your first college apartment, you start accumulating a lot of a lot of stuff over the days. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. it's like free stuff that, you know, comes out of the sky. It may not match, but you're just <laughs> happy to have it. So, you know, you're putting like your cute shit on cardboard boxes because no one's dropped mm-hmm. the table from the sky quite mm-hmm. yet. Or you get the um, tiny I, little tables. Like, you can put one thing on there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I can fit two coffee cups on a table. Come on, like, there's, this is not, this is not true to life. This part is not true to life. You can, you can change the sound of my shoes make depending on what floor I'm walking on and what shoes I'm wearing, but you can't let me put two coffee cups on a table. Like, you know what I that's, desperately that's want upsetting. right now is all the, um, a whale shark? No. All of the cherry blossom themed stuff that I didn't realize was ending tomorrow. Oh, I need it. Oh, I feel so sad. <laughs> I hope I, I'm actually hoping that everyone liquidates their stuff after cherry blossom season and I can get it all because I want all the Asian accoutrement. You in should, my house. you should t- talk to me. I got a good amount of them because again, I've just been playing nonstop for the last <laughs> few weeks. Um, so I got a few. I can't oh, share. Yeah. I don't have that many recipes, but I can uh, definitely make it for you. And I'm I'm a generous landlord like that, so I'm happy <laughs> to share my bounty. I appreciate it. I, I probably just tonight I need to just not sleep and just gather up a lot of petals. 